So once we did that, we were like, okay, what can we do next? So it forced us to get creative into tapping into different sources. So we pulled out our retirement under the CARES Act through 2020. We were able to do that penalty free. So we took advantage of that and then also took out a retirement on a loan at a 4% rate, which is low considering that you're making like around 15 to 20 in real estate. So it was a no brainer for us mathematically when it came down to tapping into other sources of capital. But then we had to do that. And then we discovered the multifamily syndication route and the ability to pull together resources with other investors. And that team concept was so appealing to us. Welcome to the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Blue Oak Capital. If you are looking to take your real estate investing to the next level and learn how you can achieve your financial success by investing in multifamily real estate, then this show is for you. Our mission is to help you improve your education and learn proven strategies from industry leaders to help you master multifamily investing. Now here's your hosts, Cody Laughlin, John Beatty, and Brian Alfaro. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Prosperity Through Multifamily Real Estate Investing Podcast. As always, I am your host, Real Estate Cody, and joining me yet again, the one and only coffee connoisseur himself, Brian Alfaro. Good morning, buddy. Good morning. I'm just going to roll with it, Cody. This is roll with it. That's all you can do, buddy. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stop. So how you doing, man? Yeah, everything's going well. I'm looking forward to our special guest today. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me as well, because we share a similar background in the corporate world. So uh, tell us who that is. Today, we have the net worth nurse. And if you don't know who she is, you're probably living under a rock. Um, So Savannah, who is a network nurse, is a full-time registered nurse in Los Angeles, California. She uses her skills as a leader in healthcare operations to manage multifamily syndications. She also helps busy medical professionals create passive income through real estate investing. Savannah uses mindset tools and goal setting to elevate herself within the healthcare system, as well as create a real estate business. Savannah, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, we are equally as excited to have you here. I know it's uh, we've been connecting several occasions over the past couple of months, so great to uh, great to have you here on the show today. And as we alluded to, we kind of share a similar background in the healthcare industry. So uh, happy to dive into that, but. Tell the listeners a little bit more about you and your background. Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Northern California in Sacramento and pretty much right out of high school, I knew I wanted to go into nursing. So I went to Sacramento State University, got my nursing degree 2013. And I started working in a couple different specialties within healthcare and at a couple different hospitals. And I was just naturally drawn towards leadership positions. And I was taking on different process and initiatives within different hospitals I was working at. And so I ended up going back to school pretty shortly after to get my master's degree in nursing leadership and administration. And so right now I oversee multiple departments at a hospital here in LA. And I got started investing in real estate at the beginning of 2020. I was on maternity leave with my second daughter and my husband and I were just starting to look ways to create a different stream of income because we were just looking at our growing family and the time constraints of our full-time jobs, working Monday through Friday, 8 to 4.30, and just being able to have the flexibility to be super involved in our daughter's extracurricular activities just wasn't there. And so we started researching different ways to create um, different incomes through investments. And we stumbled upon real estate for obvious reasons. It's one of the best best strategies out there. And we got started investing in single family homes. And then shortly after we switched into multifamily syndications. Love it. Love it. And I love that quick pivot from single family to multifamily because a lot of people, I think, get stuck in that 
single family rut for some time and they think, oh, that's all you can do or that's all there is, or maybe they're not comfortable with scaling up. But, you know, I know for us living in the single family space for some time, I think that's uh, the more that you can level up, the better. So before we go down that rabbit hole, I want to kind of go back and, and talk about your evolution of your career, because, you know, as you mentioned, you reached a life changing point in your family life where you have the birth of your child and you're sitting back and you're like, man, we need to figure out other ways of income, right? And I'm sure there was probably the thought process of how do you take more control of your time to give that back to your family, right? Definitely. So, I mean, really having that baby and I got to go back to work at three months is pretty, it's, it's hard as a new mom, emotionally, physically, just thinking about it. It made me start thinking like, there's got to be a better way. Like I can't be working you know, a full-time job till I'm 65. It just didn't feel right for me. And my husband and I, at that time, we were putting all our money towards investing in the stock market, small index funds towards our retirement accounts, like 15, 20% of our paychecks were going towards our 401k, 403b. And it just seemed so frustrating and discouraging that we couldn't even touch that money until we were 65. And especially with a growing family and thinking about expenses down the road, we just wanted something that was putting money back into our pocket every month. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And that's such a strong, powerful, motivating reason to get into alternative investments like real estate. And very similar to you, I started my healthcare career back in 2008. And as most people know, that's great heart of the Great Recession. And for me, it was the discovery of watching people that were working 30, 40 years in the healthcare industry, which by the way, is very, very challenging to do. And their retirement assets were decimated through that. And they could no longer plan for retirement at the time. And that that was kind of like the eye-opening moment where, oh man, there's got to be a better way, right? And so fast forward, you know, get into real estate and blah, blah, blah. But I want to get very granular and, and speak to those who may not understand the healthcare world, because I think there's another component here that doesn't get highlighted enough. And that as healthcare professionals, especially those who have any direct patient care interaction or day-to-day responsibilities, it is very emotionally taxing, right? It is a very emotionally draining career because you give so much of your effort, your, your mental fortitude, your emotional fortitude to your patients, to your job. And a lot of times, and we see this often, right, is where families are impacted that at home. You go home, you take a lot of that emotion home. It affects you mentally and physically outside of your job. And that's what I, I was alluding to. Like, it's very hard to picture yourself doing direct patient care in the healthcare industry for 30, 40 years because you're, you end up giving more of your emotional time and commitment to your job versus your own family. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think there is a lot to be said about nursing in general as a longevity type career. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to be doing that. And some of the older nurses that have been doing it for a very long time are very, very taxed. And it's a challenging career in the respect of the decisions that you're making at work and the difficult situations that you're encountering are sometimes between life and death. I mean, really, you're getting patients that are coding, going septic, circling the drain. They're, they're decompensating quickly. And as a bedside nurse, you're forced to be put in these situations where you're making decision-making on, on very important things. I mean, you have to think very quickly. I think being a nurse, for sure, after I was pregnant with my second daughter and I went into a night shift bedside care and I was trying to get blood on a patient and it was a 
older patient with dementia and he was in restraints and still managed to come up and knee me in the head so freaking hard. And I had a patient with TB that day and a patient with scabies. And I just remember going home and being like pregnant and exhausted and just being like, I can't do this anymore. Like I cannot be a bedside nurse anymore. And so that was when I, I had already had my master's at that point, but hadn't started going down the administrative route. And so that was like a real turning point of me being like, okay, I want to go into administration. And now I get so much fulfillment that I didn't even think was going to be there, but the fulfillment of working with staff and working with my team in order to support them and help them reach their goals is now a whole different fulfilling aspect of nursing that I didn't really think was there. Yeah, absolutely. And and the whole reason I bring this point of the conversation up is because when we talk about motivating factors or looking outside of just the W-2 for alternative income streams, I would argue that for many healthcare professionals, they probably feel the same way that you and I do, right? They've been through those years of crime. They've been through those years of emotional, I hate to call it turmoil, but I mean, that emotional investment in your career. Because I think those who get into healthcare genuinely have a true passion to help others, right? I mean, it takes a special person to to be in healthcare and like you said, get kneed in the face or have, not to get sick here, but other people's bodily fluids splashed on you and you come back and you do it again the next day for another 12 (laughs) hours. You know what I mean? There's something to be said about healthcare professionals in general and and just the emotional commitment that comes with the job, but you know, it, it can be very, very taxing on you. So looking at alternative income streams and ways that you can take more control of your financial future, I think is so important. So, you know, like many of us in healthcare, a lot of people understand that, hey, real estate's a great alternative vehicle, but don't know very much about it. So let's let's kind of start there. Let's talk about like, you know, your first introduction into single family. And then I want to kind of lead into, you made the very quick pivot from single family to multifamily. Yeah, definitely. So single family, we really kind of just started going that route because it seemed the easiest. We own our primary residence. We have a traditional loan on it. We're like, okay, we can do this with another home. And we are here in Los Angeles. So the price point to entry is very high. So we were looking over in Atlanta, Georgia. Originally, we were thinking of the Burr method, which is buying a place way below market value, something that needs a lot of work to be done, renovating it. So you're essentially pushing all this equity into that house through renovations and repairs, renting it out, getting a renter in there so you could start collecting monthly rent and then refinancing it with the goal of pulling all that capital back out and repeating it. So you can slowly grow your portfolio that way. And so that was like, okay, cool. Ideal for us. We have a fixed amount of capital. That's how we're going to make our snowball of wealth grow through real estate. And when it came down to putting in offers on single family homes that needed a pretty much full rehab across the country, it was hitting a point in us where it felt like we were getting scared. We were nervous about it, having all our money tied up in a property across the country. I mean, there's definitely people out there that make it work. And I've heard so many stories about it. So we felt we didn't want our entry point into real estate to be something like is very stressful like this. I mean, I was just going back to work. We had two kids now, both working full-time jobs. So we ended up buying two turnkey properties, like build to rent projects over there, which was very easy as a newbie coming in, pretty streamlined. So once we did that, we were like, okay, what can we do next? And our capital is really tied into those projects. So it forced us to get creative into tapping into different sources. So we pulled out our retirement under the CARES Act through 2020. We were able to do that penalty-free. So we took advantage of that. 
and then also took out a retirement on a loan at a 4% rate, which is low considering that you're making like around 15 to 20 in real estate. So it was a no brainer for us mathematically when it came down to tapping into other sources of capital. But then we had to do that. And then we discovered the multifamily syndication route and the ability to pull together resources with other investors. And that team concept was so appealing to us. Man, I want to highlight something that you mentioned. I think it's important. If anybody's interested in getting in real estate, whether they're looking to be passive or active, and they're thinking, do I do single family? Do I do multifamily? I think a big question you have to ask yourself, and you were sort of a ready, fire, aim. You were just going for it and figuring out what happened, right? That's what a lot of us do, is what's your risk tolerance, right? That's really, really important for you to understand. And if you're doing full rehabs, full gut jobs, full repositions, yeah, there's a lot of upside. But if you're in the medical field or you're an engineer, you're a lawyer and your time is very scarce, or maybe you just have a family you're really focused on, you have to ask yourself, not only what is your risk tolerance, but how much time can I actually commit to this? Because I don't know about you, but when I was doing single family stuff and like houses were going, being renovated, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I'm like eating lunch, thinking about, I wonder if my contractor showed up today, you know? So it's all those little things that kind of take a toll on you throughout the day that you have to really factor in and ask yourself really is the extra... I don't know, a few percentage points you get at the end of the day worth the personal mental stress and fatigue that sort of takes a toll on you and your body. And then also the risk tolerance as well. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. And I think that when you get wrapped up into learning about different strategies and you're listening to podcasts, you're like, oh, people are out there doing it. Like I can make it work. If so-and-so is doing it, I can do it. Right. And so we knew we could make it work, but the amount of stress, exactly like you're saying, of thinking about it nonstop throughout the day, that was the point of like, okay, this is going to be more stressful than it is rewarding. And let's figure out an alternative option, which there are so many different strategies and options in real estate. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that is the beautiful thing about this space is that there is an a opportunity or investment strategy for every different appetite, right? You don't have to be just single family Phillips or multifamily. I mean, you can do any and everything. And, and there's very creative ways to be very hands-off but still be very active in your investing. So it can lead us down to the rabbit hole there. But I also wanted to go back to another point that you highlighted, Brian, we talk about this all the time, right? Where most people get into real estate investing and they start with single family because they just conceptually, I guess it's easy to wrap your mind around, right? It's just one house, it's one roof, it's one thing. And so people think that it's easier, but if you've been in it, if you've done it, if you've grinded out a few single family investments, you realize that, man, the, the work and the effort is the same. To me, it's the... What is the return on that time and effort versus looking at alternative asset classes like multifamily, for example, that you know you have to decide, is it worth it to you or not? And for, for me personally, I guess very similar to you is like, once I discovered syndication, I was like, oh man, that makes so much more sense, right? And because now I'm not only relying on myself, but I can rely on my team and I can capitalize more on that return on time and effort. What do you think? Yeah, I think Savannah, you're probably good with this. I like to say, um, everybody talks about ROI. My, one of my favorite acronyms is ROE and that's return on effort. And when part of the reason I switched over, and I'm sure we're, we're all singing the same tune here, is uh, it's a, I would argue it's very comparable, if not the same amount of work in multifamily, but the returns are so much better. And I'm not necessarily just talking about the dollars. The stress on your life is significantly lower because you have a team, you build a partnership, right? So I would agree, definitely agree with that. That return on effort is, is a really big part of the, the equation as well. Yeah, and definitely speaking on return on effort, like the single family new build townhomes, that was with the strategy of like a buy and hold. So kind of leave them there and let them sit. So we're not cash flowing super heavy on those. Mm. 
now that we're doing, you know, started doing disbursements for our multifamily syndications and we're sending checks to our investors, we're like, oh my gosh, they're making, <laughs> we're making on these single family homes. I mean, it just goes to show that the returns in multifamily are so, so powerful. And I get people asking me all the time, like, I don't know, should I do single family or should I like passively invest in a multifamily? And I'm like, let me show you the returns I'm making on my single family homes. And then let me show you what my passive investors are making on our deals, like what checks we're cutting them every quarter. And you can see the difference of, of what the returns look like. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, it's powerful when you can show it on paper and, and really put it in perspective for people. You know, it's very eye-opening. So, but, you know, I, I want to speak to the healthcare community that may be listening in today because you, you have a lot of transferable skills that come from your career and your profession as a nurse that translate into multifamily syndication in particular, right? You mentioned the teamwork. Everybody that's in healthcare knows that we rely so much on the team around us. It's You can't just do the job by yourself, right? You have teams of doctors, nurses, aides, whatever the case may be, that are all assisting to take care of just one patient or a handful of patients, right? And then you mentioned leadership, right? So you're now engaged with staff members that you're actively leading and hopefully motivating to achieve, you know, the best patient outcomes. That is also transferable in syndication because all we deal with is people in our business, right? We're a very people-driven industry. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of those translating skills that you are applying to your multifamily syndication business. Yeah, so definitely um, teamwork and leadership, exactly like you were saying. Two of the big ones that stand out for me are organization and communication. So, I mean, organization as a nurse coming in and you're taking care of five patients and they have all these meds due and all these things that you need to do throughout your shift, you get taught and learn very early on as a new nurse, like you need to organize your whole shift. You're looking at your patients for the day, everything they need throughout the day, and you're organizing your 12-hour shift, really kind of through a brain is what we call it in the in the nursing world. And so organization and planning is huge. Um, it really, I know there's always unexpected things that come up during the day as a nurse, as well as a multifamily investor and operator on a syndication deal. There's always unexpected things that come up, but as long as you have a basic organization of kind of the different projects you're working on and what you're getting to at a certain time and have that laid out, it makes it a little bit easier to adapt to the things that come up. So I've learned that early on that that's huge. And then also communication. So communication in healthcare is so imperative. I mean, it can really be between a patient's life and death in terms of like medication, right? So like, even if you're getting a new med order from a doctor as a nurse, like you're listening to it, you're repeating it back. And then they're verifying that you heard the correct thing. And that is such a important skill in terms of communicating with people and being on the same page. And I swear, I almost translate it into even talking with our contractors of them like, saying something and a quote and a date of when they're going to be done by. And I'm like, Hey, this is what I heard. You're saying it's going to cost this much. You're going to be done by this time. This is what you're going to be working on. And it really eliminates any opportunity for miscommunication when you kind of overly communicate scenarios like that. And then really just kind of with everyone on our team. And that's something in healthcare, you're constantly communicating as a nurse, you're kind of providing the basic care. You're like the team leader for the patient for the day. So you're communicating with respiratory and pharmacy and the doctors and the CNAs and the patient's families. Like you're the main source of communication for all these different people in the patient's care. The nurse has such a powerful role in that communication effort. And so even as an operator, as of the syndication deals, we make it a point to overly communicate things like to our lender. So we check in with them because we've learned 
so often that sometimes people are waiting on something for you from you and you don't even know. So we make it a point to regularly check in with our lender if we're working on a close for a deal. Hey, are you waiting on anything from us right now? And then sometimes they're like, oh, actually I am waiting on this tax return or this, that from one of your investors or something like that. And then it's like, oh, okay, I didn't even know that. But just checking in and overly communicating like what's kind of going on with all your team is super important. Hey guys, it's your host, Cody, and I wanted to take a few seconds to ask you a very important question. Do you really know how to evaluate a passive investment opportunity when it has been presented to you? We all know passively investing is a great way to invest in multifamily real estate, but do you really understand the intricacies of passively investing in these private placement offerings? Sure, there's a ton of education on how to buy apartments, but not enough education on how to effectively evaluate a private placement offering when considering a passive investment opportunity. With the ever-growing number of syndicators entering into the multifamily space, it is important that you have a fundamental understanding on how to protect your interests and most importantly, your capital when investing in these private placement offerings. If you wanna learn how to passively invest like the pros and avoid the pitfalls of many novice investors, then check out our free investor guide titled How Savvy Investors Evaluate Multifamily Deals on our website at www.blueoakinvest.com forward slash evaluate to learn how you can confidently evaluate your next passive investment offering. Now back to the show. You're absolutely right. And you did such a great job articulating that. And, and the, really the message I want to take out of that is for anybody else that's listening that's wondering if they could really do this or not. Listen, if you can be a registered nurse and deal with the day-to-day grind, you can absolutely be a multifamily syndicator, right? Because it's like you just said, I mean, it's the same transferable skills that you do every day in life anyway. You're just applying them to business now. You know, the only difference is, is you're nobody's dying. You're nobody's (laughs) dying. Yeah. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully nobody's dying. That's exactly right. And, And let me tell you, that is a, that is a very big mental relief. It's a very big difference when you go into the W-2 and to go to the grind, knowing that today somebody's life can be in your hands. But, you know, when you go into business, yeah, I mean, you're still providing in some aspects a quality of life to people. You're providing housing and things like that. And that's a responsibility. But it's just a relieving fact to know that, okay, I'm not going to have to go do chest compressions on somebody today. Hopefully not, you know, but uh, you get the point. So, but again, the, the message overall is, a lot of the same skills that you apply to your nursing practice or your healthcare practice are very transferable and translatable into business, right? It's the same thing. So I love that. So let's, let's kind of talk about the big you know, elephant in the room though, is you're still maintaining a full-time W-2 now. You still work, like you said, you're in nursing leadership, which by the way, is a thankless job in itself. It, I, I've been there. I know it's, it's a grind. Uh, so kudos, but you know, you still maintain the W-2 and you're still building a very uh, active real estate investing business. How are you managing both worlds? Yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, I run on coffee. No, I, um, I, I, prioritize, <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely prioritize things in my life. I think, you know, when you have kids, I have two young kids, I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So routine is so important with these little ones. Right. And so I just kind of have a routine in my day-to-day that really allows me to work on real estate. So, I mean, I go to work all day. Occasionally I'll do like a podcast or a call before I go in for my shift, make time for something like that. Um, going for my shift at the hospital. I'm pretty much like there all day, you know, focused on that. So once I get home, then I have the opportunity to maybe do another podcast. I have my meetup. I do after work. Um, at that point, 
when I come home from work, I'll get in a quick workout. And that's super important to me to like feel good. I'm very aware and cognizant of like, just kind of what I'm eating and how I'm taking care of my body because sleep I'm getting, because like when you're taking care of yourself, you have the energy to, and you feel super good and you can do a lot of things. I mean, I really kind of take it down to that basic level of just kind of how I take care of myself. But And then, you know, do a workout. I'm home with my kids. I do dinner time, bath time, bedtime. My husband do that as a family every night. It's super important for us. And then after we put our daughters to bed is when I'll like kind of work on some emails or work on different parts of my business that I'm working on. If we have a deal that we're putting down, um, investor communications, returns, doing all that kind of stuff in the late hours at night. Cody, this sounds very familiar. I think I know a, I think I know a guy who, who lives a very similar lifestyle and very similar schedule. I'll tell you from my perspective, just hearing you, Savannah, and, and knowing that, that what Cody does on his sort of day-to-day, and I think this is a big thing for, for people to, to make sure they're taken out of this, is you have to be committed to this. This is not easy. We're seeing things on social media, what we're posting, what you're posting, hearing these success stories about your multifamily real estate project and these awesome returns you're kicking out for yourself and for your your past investors that are partnering with you, but you're working a lot. You're waking up early. You're staying up late. Every little patch of time throughout the day has a job, right? You're not just hanging out, feet up, you know, scrolling through Instagram, uh, you know, for an hour a day, just trying to figure out what should I be doing right now? You know, you're really committed to, to being successful in your career. And you're really committed to being successful in your multifamily business because you're trying to change your family tree, right? You're trying to build that generational wealth. And for anybody who's looking to do both, it is totally possible. But I know, Cody, you get this question and it'd be interesting to hear it from you too as well. You know, people are like, man, how do you, I see you everywhere. You're always doing this. You're always doing that. You're doing deals. You're doing this. How do you do that? And, and the simple answer is you have to commit. You have to be willing to make some sacrifices. And then you have to have, I'm sure you have a great partner and great family support that's supporting you as well. I think that's just as important, but that's something I think that the listeners need to make sure that they're taking through, throughout this whole interview is when you're not willing to commit, it's going to be really hard to be successful. Yeah, definitely. I know sometimes it can be super exhausting and I know that I have stuff to do and I'll sometimes ask, are we making more work for ourselves down the road? (laughs) Business that's going to be very hard to back out of, like, you know, when we really want to become truly passive. But honestly, at this point, I mean, we get so much fulfillment in working through the investors. And that was something that obviously through a syndication, you have passive investors come in on your deals. That's how you make it work. I didn't realize how rewarding that would be until I started gearing a lot of um, what I was doing towards health professionals. And when I kind of made that switch and it really happened naturally and organically, and then I kind of found this niche that I wanted to come in as the net worth nurse and really um, kind of be the go-to for healthcare professionals. And once I started doing that and hearing from the mouth of nurses, like how kind of eye-opening this investment strategy is, how they had never heard of it, how this opportunity is increasing wealth for them as well. Like being able to provide that has just been such a game changer and like helping other people makes it so much more fulfilling and rewarding. I would echo that, Savannah, for sure. I I definitely agree with you. And and again, it goes back to just innately us as people as, you know, in our case, healthcare providers, we just have that passion to help others, right? And so it's, it's a very easy translatable passion for investors as well. And you're absolutely right. I mean, when, when you're paying out dividends or you're building relationships with potential partners or investors with you and other deals, it, it's, it's a very rewarding feeling, especially when things are going well and everybody's excited. And again, it's just a relationship-driven business. And so it's always a good feeling to, to just solidify those relationships. I, I completely agree with that. You know, and Brian, to your point, I mean, look, 
I really want to get into your, kind of your systems too, Savannah, if we could, because you're absolutely right. I mean, listen, it, it absolutely takes commitment to this. It, if you ever listen to or watch the show Shark Tank and you hear Mark Cuban say you're a entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur, it's very applicable here, right? A lot of people hear like, oh, you can make millions in real estate or you could change your entire financial future in real estate. But when you get into it, you realize like, oh crap, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, it is a lot of work. But I think, like you said, being able to look at the bigger picture, look at the long-term vision and how this impacts both your life now and generationally for your kids, you can look past all that and continue to put in the grind. But going back to, like you said, your systems, it's a very busy schedule, getting up in the morning, going to the W-2, coming home, taking care of yourself uh, and then the kids and then trying to get to your you know work in the evening. And, and Brian, you mentioned this. Savannah, you're all over. If everybody hasn't been paying attention, I mean, you're active on social media. You're very, very visible in the community. Everybody sees that you're, you're moving with a lot of momentum, which is great. Question is, is okay, well, how do you do all that, you know, just with the short timeframes in it? So, so what systems are you using in your business to help you with those routines and, and structure? Definitely. So um, delegating. So I really get, because my time is so, so sacred to me and I don't have a lot of it, I get very specific with certain tasks that I delegate and certain things that I work on. So I learned very early on website building, doing kind of graphic art stuff, building certain things like that. I, I am not really good at. I don't like spending a lot of time and energy doing that. So I have a guy on Fiverr who I resort to for all my website needs. I'll just message him whenever I need anything updated. He does it super quickly. So he's huge. I just got an investor portal. So having a place where I can organize all my investor documents, my streamline, my communication effort, do all the dividends through their distributions. That has been so, so huge, um, being able to have one kind of point of access for that. And then really, so even like I, I was a, a speaker at a women's summit and I had to create a free gift for, for the audience. And I did a sheet on overcoming limiting beliefs. And I was sitting in front of my computer, like, how do I design this? How do I make it look pretty? Like I had all the ideas, but I just couldn't make it work. And I just realized I just typed it off in a Word document straight text. And then I sent it to someone on Fiverr and I'm like, Hey, can you do something with this? Make it look good. And someone said, they sent me back something in 48 hours, like a beautiful worksheet, a great lead magnet. So outsourcing certain things like that I've learned is better than I can use a lot of my time spent on social media, to be honest. And I've thought about potentially holding, hiring a VA to do kind of some of that work, but Ultimately, it comes down to me being the voice on my platforms. And I don't want to hand that over. I know a lot of people do, but it's really important for me that, especially on my social media and the posts that I'm putting out is coming from my voice. And I get a lot of connections with people from my DMs and private messages. And I just really enjoy building relationships with people that way. So that's something that I do spend a lot of my time and energy on. It's just kind of like what I'm doing on social media. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you've highlighted some very important things there. And, and I think it's just uh, great to review, but like outsourcing and delegating, you cannot do this business on your own. You just absolutely cannot. There's just not enough time of the day. And, and Brian and I joke about this all the time. I mean, between the three of us as partners, we still feel like there's not enough time in the day. And that's just business in general. Then you throw in family life and the kids or, you know, work, like you said, it's a lot of responsibility. So, and look, you can't be an expert at everything. So I, I love the fact that, you know, delegating is such an important role. I know, you know, we're very big on hiring VAs for all of our different aspects of our business, because the goal is you want to be working on your business, not in your business, right? And your business should be operating, even though you're not like sitting there every single day, making sure that it's going. So that's great. 
I love the structure and using platforms like the investor portal. I think that's huge. The more that you could be streamlined and offer that kind of all-in-one platform to handle documents, investor relations, distributions, that's important. By the way, it also looks very professional. Yes. Um, so it does, it definitely says a lot about that. So all great things there. Really, really agree. And I know that's something that we talk about all the time, right, Brian? I mean, it's been actually impactful for us and because we follow the same framework. Absolutely. You got to have systems in place and you, uh, you got to execute your systems and that's it, right? So otherwise, you're spending too much time in your business. And even though that might feel good, you might feel accomplished at the end of the day that you're checking off your task list. You're really not growing your brand and your business. So you definitely want to make sure you're taking a step back, taking that bird's eye approach, uh, following books like, uh, you know, the E-Myth, which, which really are preaching that message of work on your business, not in your business. And uh, that's what it takes to be successful. And it's, it's the value on your time as well, right? I mean, if you're not an expert at web design or whatever the case may be, you probably don't want to be spending that lot of time and effort on because number one, it's going to be frustrating. Number two, it's probably not going to come out that great. And number three, you're going to be spending countless hours on it. It's easier just to pay somebody a couple hundred bucks, let them do it. And then, oh, by the way, while they're doing that, you're out there building your network and that's interacting right. with yep. people in the space, which is really where the, that's where your big opportunities are going to come is through that network. So love it, love it, love it. So. All right, Savannah, so let's talk. So let's pivot a little bit. So, you know, as a syndicator, obviously you're building out your network, you're engaging with people. One of the most stereotypical assumptions that I know I get as a healthcare professional is that you have an untapped, unlimited amount of equity sitting in the physician community, right? You, you work with doctors every day and everybody equates doctors with high net worth, high liquidity, all these good things. But it's not... It's not just an automatic that, hey, you're a real estate investor and doctors just want to throw capital at you. Talk to us a little bit about how you're managing your branding and your message to your healthcare community as a whole and how you're getting those people engaged to maybe potentially be partners with you in the future. Yeah, that, I love this topic. So <laughs> it is a huge misperception, I guess, exactly like you're saying. And I think the biggest hurdle for me coming out as my brand, the net worth nurse is having these conversations with people that I work with who are like, what are you doing? Like you do real estate. Like it takes them in a minute to be like, wait, you're like the net worth nurse. Like, what are you doing? And because they see me in the hospital, like, you know, doing my nursing, it's such a taxing job that people don't think you have like lives outside of the hospital. Right. And so when people see that, they're like, oh, what? And then, you know, immediately start with the questions. What exactly are you doing? Um, who's investing with you? Like what, what do your projects look like? And it's kind of two different people. So there's an investor savvy and people who don't really know about it at all. So like investor savvy doctors or nurses or healthcare professionals that I work with, they're like right away. Oh, I get it. I understand it. Leveraging debt. They, they get the whole investment concept, how to make money work for them. Most of them, honestly, I'll hear every day when I'm at the hospital, like my surgeon's talking about cryptocurrency, right? Like that was the biggest thing. And so then I'm like, slide in there with the, okay, you guys sound like you're gambling with your money. Like, what about real estate? Have you guys ever thought about real estate? Let me, you know, kind of tell you what the returns and projects look like with that. So a big education piece for sure is huge, but there is a difference between kind of the investors that I talk to in terms of healthcare. And there's a lot of room for skeptability. I mean, a lot of them can be pretty skeptical with, with certain things because doctors are high income earners and they have people coming at them all day with things. Like if you've, if you've seen reps in a hospital, right? Like all of us have worked with reps. They are just so 
adamant about, you know, what they're trying to sell come across. And so I think doctors are kind of used to that coming at them, that they can be a little bit skeptical. But overall, when I start having that deeper conversation of exactly what I'm doing, there's already that built-in trust because I am a healthcare professional and because I know these people on work, they see how I work at the hospital. So they see my work ethic, kind of how I function as a leader in the healthcare system. And so if I've worked with them before, they have a little bit more respect and, and are a little bit more apt to listen to what I'm sharing. But other doctors who I haven't met, I then at that point, I kind of just direct them to my website and let them get a lot more information there and then have additional phone calls with them if they have questions. So it, it depends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. And, and listen, like you said, these are very highly educated individuals, right? In, in their professions and in life in general. And for them, the high net worth earner, I, I feel like it's about the preservation of that wealth, right? It's about how do they protect their nest egg that they've built. You, you can't just look at these individuals and look at them as capital partners. You have to look at them as people and as investors, just as we do anybody else. Like you, you got to remove the labels, right? Oh, they're a doctor. They must be, they must have buttloads of money. That's the wrong approach, right? You got to really drill down to who they are as individuals and what their investing strategies are, right? And I think, as you mentioned, I think the biggest takeaway here is, is when you can take the approach of, hey, this is how you could preserve your wealth versus trying to just come off as a sales pitch, so to speak. I think that resonates really, really well. And, and you're absolutely right. They're very, very guarded. And they should be. They should be because mm-hmm. you're right. They get hit from every angle all day long, every day. So if you're coming off sales pitchy or whatever, then you've just written yourself off. So, And it comes down to anything that we do in our business, right? This is a relationship-driven business. It comes down to that trust that they have in you because they work with you every day. They talk with you every day. They see your work ethic. And so it's so important to piggyback off that. So anybody that's listening, that's looking to interact with people, if you're in the healthcare space, your presence amongst your peers is so important. It's something I always take away and remember. Back to that no like, and trust, right, Cody? That's exactly right. Awesome. Well, Savannah, tell us what, uh, what's going on in your business right now. You know, what do you have actively working on now? What's in the pipeline for you for the rest of 2021 and ongoing? Yeah, definitely. So uh, really networking. We just went to a live event this last weekend, Dealmaker Live over in um, Dallas, which was super fun because we got to connect with a lot of our real estate friends in real life and see them face to face. So just continuing to build relationships amongst the real estate community is really big for us right now. I just started a healthcare meetup, a meetup for um, healthcare professionals in real estate, which Cody, you came on and which was great. Um, So kind of building that community for healthcare professionals who just kind of want to share resources within the real estate community. Uh, We're still looking at deals. We were looking at a deal last night and kind of talking about different strategies here in LA. Um, We have some friends over here making some big things happen, looking at um, different investment alternatives, and then also just continuing to grow my brand, which I've realized it's just through consistent content. So continually um, trying to provide content to my audience through the different social media platforms, really working on the best way to do that, to provide the most to my community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, absolutely love what you're doing. It's absolutely incredible. Keep it up. And, and I told you this before, and I'll say it again. I, I love the branding, the net worth <laughs> nurse. I mean, just absolutely on point. Just I wish I was that witty enough to think about creative <laughs> taglines like that. So. <laughs> it was um, cringy at first and I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'll still cringe, but I'm just like rolling with it at this point. I'm like, all right, this is who I am. I'm the net. Cody, you're, you're real estate Cody. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I like real estate <laughs> Cody. 
Well, I didn't coin that though. I got, I got tagged with that through uh, one of our other guests of the podcast. Okay. I was like, Oh yeah. Like you said, I'm just going to roll with it and just, just go roll with it. Just roll <laughs> just with it. If, it. if it sticks and it makes you stand out a little bit, then you got to roll with it. So. There you go. Yeah. But, uh, well, Savannah, listen, this has been a great conversation. Really enjoyed getting to know you over the past couple of months. Again, love what you're doing, you know, definitely keep it up. And I think you're a very big inspiration to anybody in general that's looking to get in the space, but, you know, for healthcare professionals in particular, which is, you know, most of our close network, I would argue, I really hope this resonates well with that audience as well to help them realize that, look, you know, you don't just have to be committed to 40 years of grinding away both emotionally and physically to the healthcare industry. You can look at all alternatives and, and look at ways that you can increase your financial independence. So, you know, and you're a very big inspiration to that. So thank you for sharing your message. And uh, before we go, uh, we do have a few more questions for you that we'll wrap up. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so tell us what do you like to do for your continued education to further your own investing? Podcasts, podcasts and YouTube and books. I don't know. I can't just choose one. It's like, especially as a nurse, right? We're like taught to continually educate ourselves on a consistent basis. So maybe books right now. I'm, I'm reading some really good books. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great, great way. And I wish I had more time to read books myself. I, I used to be a big reader. And then now it's like trying to squeeze in another thing. It's just oh, tough. So Cool. Well, uh, what have been some of the lasting lessons you've learned along your journey? Networking. That's so huge. I think especially coming in at a single family home space and my husband and I working together, we didn't really think it was super important to start building relationships in the community. But since I've launched my brand and started guesting on podcasts and started building relationships with people like yourself, like it's been so invaluable in terms of sharing resources with each other. I mean, we're all growing our business kind of together on the same route. And so there's so many resources to be shared. And just so that network has been so valuable. And by plugging yourself either into masterminds, different communities, meetup groups, like that would be a huge, huge tip for people coming into this to start building relationships. It's a a big one. Absolutely agree with that. So, and that kind of led me into my next question was going to be, what would be one or two pieces of advice that you would give to a uh, entrepreneur to help them grow their business? Definitely. So I would say if there's someone out there who's doing what you want to be doing, say it's flipping houses or doing Airbnbs, multifamily syndications, and you're following them on social media, because I know you are, you know, you're watching their stories, seeing what they're doing. You really like it, like message them, reach out to them, ask them maybe if they're willing to meet up or have a phone call and kind of see if you could provide value to them and give, maybe they could give you some feedback on the best way for you to get started. Like I have people reach out to me like newbies and experienced investors all the time. And I love those connections that I've built. Like you never know where they're going to lead. So I would just encourage anyone, if you see someone doing what you want to be doing, reach out to them and learn what steps they took to get there. Great advice. Love it. Love it. All right, Savannah, tell the listeners how they can learn more about you, the network nurse and get connected with you. Definitely. I made it easy for you guys. So the net worth nurse on all social media handles. So that's Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. You can find me under the net worth nurse. My website's thenetworthnurse.com. Please reach out. I love to connect with people. If anything I've said has been remotely interesting, reach out. Awesome. Great conversation, Savannah. Love what you're doing. Keep crushing it and look forward to talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, Savannah. Thanks. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Blue Oak Capital. To learn more about Blue Oak Capital and how you can partner with us, visit www.blueoakinvests.com. Tune in next time.